0: Well, thanks for being here this morning. We had a great time last night um, bowling over at uh, Idle Hour Lanes and Sandwich. It was a great time. So thanks for coming out to that as well. Just don't forget, next Sunday night, well, we will show the movie Courageous. Samanite um, Baptist Church was also invited, so they'll join with us. They're bringing some popcorn, and uh, it will be a good time uh, next Sunday night starting at, at 530. If you have your Bibles, turn to James. I'm going to start the book of James. Back towards the back of the New Testament, Hebrews, James. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for how you work in our lives. Lord, we thank you that we can see you work, which is a gift to us of your grace. And Lord, just thanks for how you've been moving and working in individuals' lives. And God, I pray that you would just help us to continue to trust you and to be dependent on you. Holy Spirit, I pray you just come now and help us as we start looking at this book of James, that you would help us to apply it to our lives, that you would change us because of this. Lord, I pray that you'd be with those who are here this morning who are just struggling. They don't feel like you're working. God, I pray that you'd break through in their hearts, comfort them, encourage them, strengthen them. And I pray that as we gather together for communion, that they would leave here together, together encouraged, knowing that you are... Christ alone in our only hope. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When I was bowling last night, one of the things I realized is that we are all pretty much just big kids. We all, we just want to be kids. You kind of grow up and it's, uh, you just kind to of enjoy life and all of a sudden there's just, then all these things come on your life and it's, uh Sad sometimes. And so it's fun to get together and go out and just have some fun, but really we all just want to just enjoy and have some fun. And James talks about some of the difficult things of life as we go through this. We're gonna look at verse one. I'm gonna read James chapter one, verses one and two, it says this: James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Who does this guy think that he is? He jumps into this letter and he instantly talks about some of the most difficult things that we go through. Trials, struggles, and he starts out by saying to us, count it all joy. Who does this guy, James, think that he is? Who is this guy that gives him the credentials that we should listen to him and what he says should matter to us and how we live our lives? The letter of James is a very unique, one of a kind kind of book in all of literature. In biblical literature, outside biblical literature, James is a unique, standalone kind of book. It's a very Jewish letter. And there's a lot of tie in to the Old Testament and to the, the law and the Torah and to the Gospels with Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount. It's a very Jewish letter, but James is a guy who also understood the story of God. He understood that there was a God created the world. And that there was a clash in the world, and man rebelled against him, and then God made this covenant to restore his creation, and he sent Christ to do that for us, and that he's going to return, and he's going to restore things the way it's supposed to be. The story of God is in this letter of James, this very unique, short book. But the, and the book of James has, for many years and for many years, been kind of longly ignored. And even back with Martin Luther, the great reformer, he actually said that the book was just an epistle of straw. And everybody kind of jumps on that sometimes. If you read anything about James, they're just going to say, Martin Luther thought the book of James shouldn't be in the Bible. That's not true. Martin Luther was fighting the battle of works or grace, salvation by grace through faith in his day. And so he thought that James was a book of the Bible, but he just had more other, other books that he clung to more Deeply, but it's also been ignored through church history. But you know, I think nowadays there's a little bit more of a resurgence for the Book of James. I have had more people talk to me about when you start in James, when you start in James, because I think somebody said this week that the Book of James is kind of like a manual for Christian living. It's just five short, very practical, very active chapters. It's kind of like the Proverbs of the New Testament. I think, when I read the book of James. But it's kind of an in-your-face kind of book. I mean, James jumps right out and says, listen, all your problems, all your trials, all your struggles, be happy about them. Who do you think you are to tell us that? And why should we listen to you as we go through um, these five books? It's a book that addresses key issues of life, trials, it addresses wisdom, it addresses wealth, and it addresses poverty, poverty and it says it's, it's in our faith It makes us uncomfortable. The book of James says that we're supposed to care for the very poor, no matter what a politician says. The book of James says you're supposed to take care of the widow and the needy. The book of James says we are supposed to get along well. We're supposed to um, not be in fighting and quarreling. It's very much in our faith. So why should we listen? To the book of James. I think there's three reasons this morning. I think we should listen to the book of James because of James's character. We should listen to him because of his calling. And we should listen to James because of his view of community. These are all credentials that I think the book of James and James himself allows us to say, you know, a guy who comes into my face that that harsh, I can listen to you and I should listen to you. And it's God's will for me. To listen to you. The character matters. James starts out his book like this. James. We're supposed to know who this guy is. We just open the book and he just says, uh, James. This is a normal kind of greeting for a letter back in the day, but apparently this was written in a way that, you know, if you, if you read, if you know who I am, you're just going to say, okay, James read this. So since James wrote this, we, we will listen to this. But who is this James? There's 40 Jameses, at least a person named James is mentioned 40 times in the New Testament. There's a number of James that could be the author of this book. There was James, the father of Judas. There was James, the less. There was James, the son of Alphaeus, one of the 12 disciples. There was James, the son of Zebedee, the brother of the apostle John. And there was James, the brother of Jesus, the son of Mary And Joseph. So which James wrote this? Because James apparently thinks we know who this is. Because he just starts his letter out saying, James, and that's supposed to carry weight for us. He assumes that we know who he is. Well, James the son of Alphaeus was he died young and died early, so he probably was not the author. James, the son of Zebedee, the brother of the apostle John, probably not the author, because he would not have been as well known as this book assumes the author would be James the father of Judas probably not the author and James the less well he's just less so he didn't uh, probably not the author either but what they do we do know we do believe that and i believe that James is the brother of Jesus Christ a son of Mary and Joseph he's always listed first when they talk about James as the brothers of Jesus which may mean that he was the next-born child of Mary and Joseph. So Jesus may have been his older brother. He could have been the next-born brother. We're not really sure, but what we do know is that the Bible says that James was a prominent figure in the leader of Jerusalem. In the book of Acts, James is all over the place. He was the leader, the first leader of the church in Jerusalem, at the Jerusalem council. He was the one after all the arguments in Acts 15, after all the arguments over the debate between the Jews and the Gentiles, the last person to speak was always the one who had the most authority. And in James, in Acts chapter 15, James is the one to speak less. He had the most authority he was the most prominent figure in early Christianity. This was why we should listen to James. The Bible says he was James, the people in church history have called him James the Just. He was through the book of Acts, when you read Acts, James was a peacemaker. He was trying to keep peace amongst the church, the early, fragile church as it starts to spread, but he was at a great position of authority. The Apostle Paul in Galatians called James the pillar of the church. He was a leader. He had character. And so when he wrote this letter and said, James, his name carried great weight. Character matters. When we read James, we got to know this guy is telling us some pretty harsh and straightforward stuff. Is he the real deal? And I believe James was the real deal because character does matter and character matters in your life as well if you were to write your name about your faith about who you are you're trying to tell somebody about jesus tell somebody about the gospel tell somebody about living life you started that out with your name would your name have any weight whatsoever would it have character to your name would people say oh wow that came from him he lives what he says he believes. There's some weight to that. Somebody said the character is the inner form that makes anyone or anything what it is. Character is the essential stuff of a person. You can have all the skill, you can have all the style in the world, but if your name has been squashed because of bad character, you're like what T.S. Eliot said is a hollow man. There's a lot of hollow men in the world. James was not that way. James was a man of character. So he's able to write James, and it carried weight. Does your name carry weight? Does your character count? Ecclesiastes 7 1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than a precious ointment. What's the character of your name? Character counts, it matters. If James was not who he says he was, he would not have been able to write this letter in such a way that he did that people would take it seriously. And It was a desperately needed letter. Our name and your name matters. Character matters. But how did James arrive at be able to start his letter just James and have such weight? How did he arrive to have that kind of character in his life? It's because James had this amazing calling. And he knew that his calling matters. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is an early, this is one of the first letters of the church. This is early Christianity when this letter was written. James's name had to carry weight because Christianity was young and this is how he describes himself as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. James was, was, grew up in a very Jewish family. Jesus grew up in a very Jewish family. They followed the Jewish law. They followed the Torah. But something changed in James' life. That When he writes this letter, he says, James, a servant of God and, and the, of the Lord Jesus, my big brother, is God. Jesus and God are the same. This changed dramatically. Because James grew up looking for God, believing in God, waiting for the Messiah to come. And now he says, now I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. My brother was the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's God. Something drastically changed in James' life. Because James, the Bible says, did not always follow Jesus. In John chapter 7, it's very clear that the brothers and sisters of Jesus, they didn't believe him. They lived their whole life with the Son of God. And they just didn't really believe he was the son of God. That's how human, in many ways, Jesus, he didn't sin. But he didn't have a halo over his head either. Jesus didn't walk around uh, three inches off the ground and his brothers and sisters walking on the ground. They're thinking, that guy's different. Now, they grew up with Jesus as a brother. He was 100% human. He had real flesh. And they had a real brother named Jesus. And James grew up with him. He knew him well. He listened to him. And his writings reflect his knowledge of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus probably more than anybody else. He knew Jesus, but he grew up not believing in Jesus. He had a knowledge of God, but he didn't, growing up, know God. But then something changed. In 1 Corinthians 15, Verse 7, after Jesus rose again. 1 Corinthians 15, 7, the clearest statement of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. Something changed in James' life, where up to the point of Jesus' death, even at Jesus' death, the the next brother should have been the one to take care of their mother. But what did Jesus do on the cross? He looked at the apostle John and said, John, behold your mother to Jesus' mother Mary. Where was Jesus' brothers? They weren't believers yet. And Jesus wanted his mother in the care of a brother of Christ, a true Christian. His brothers weren't there, but after Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to 500, and then he specifically appeared to James, and everything changed from that. Because from the end of John to the beginning of Acts, all of a sudden now James is a prominent figure, the most prominent figure in early Christianity. Bigger than Paul, bigger than any of the other apostles, James was a very extremely prominent figure. Something changed in his life. He he saw Jesus. He recognized Jesus for who he was. He was called by Jesus. Jesus came to Peter. I just mentioned character and what's your name. And some of you could be very discouraged by that. And some of you parents who are praying for your kids could be extremely discouraged by that because you look at your life, And you've made some major mistakes, major failures, major flaws. And if you say, what's the character of your name? You think, yeah, that person thinks my character's shot. That person thinks my character's shot. I really blew that in my past. I really blew that in my past. My kids who I raised to follow God are now starting to go off their own way. They're making bad choices. Their character is going to be destroyed. You can be very discouraged when it's said, we need to have good character. But the good news of the gospel is that James didn't change his character. Jesus changed James' character. Jesus appeared to James. James came to him, which means the power of the gospel says God can restore character. He can take your character from the past, because what Jesus did, he can wipe that all away, and he can give you a new name. And he gives us a new name, a new character. And your life can be changed. And parents, if your kids are starting to make some choices, and you think, oh, if they keep going down that road, their character is gonna be destroyed, don't give up hope. Jesus can change your kid's character. So pray. Pray that God would come and call them. Jesus came to Peter. Jesus came to James. His life was changed because of Jesus Christ. He says, James, a servant of God, which is a statement of authority and a statement of humility. It's a statement of, of authority because this is an Old Testament. A lot of, he's writing to Jews, and they love the Old Testament. And so all through the Old Testament, somebody who was a follower of God, somebody who had an authority, was the Bible would say a servant of God. Moses was called a servant of God. Abraham was a servant of God. So when a Jew read this, James, a servant of God, they also realized that James, yeah, his character is strong, This is the same way they describe the Old Testament prophets Abraham, Moses, Daniel. There's some weight to this, what he has to say. And also says great humility. James, who was the brother of Jesus, he grew up with Jesus. And he grew up watching Jesus' life. Jesus met him after the resurrection. His life was changed and said, James said, You know what? I'm going to be a servant of God and of Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow God with my life. James went all in in his faith. He met Jesus and he said, I'm going to go all in. A slave is somebody who has, a slave of God is someone who has absolute obedience to God, someone who has absolute humility towards God and absolute loyalty towards God. That's your calling. If you're a Christian, if Jesus has met you if you were going one way and your character was bad and Jesus met you and your life's been changed and you're now a follower of Jesus, would you say that you are a servant of God? Would you say that the calling I have matters so much that I could say with James that I'm a servant of God? I have absolute obedience is what I desire for God. I have absolute humility. God, I want you to be first in my life. God, I have absolute loyalty to you above everything else because your calling absolutely matters James says James is a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ Do you know what is calling you What does have your undivided allegiance and authority What is it Is it Jesus Christ It should be Jesus Christ Jesus says I will come to you How would Jesus come to us Jesus was James's brother so when Jesus appeared to him after the resurrection, I'm sure that Jesus didn't walk up to Jesus, to James, and say, I told you so, you little punk snot nose, brother. I knew I was the son of God. I told you. I don't think that's how Jesus appeared to James. I think Jesus knew all the time as he lived with James that James rejected him. He walked away from him. He didn't believe. He didn't believe. I think it grieved Jesus as a brother. And when Jesus came back, I think he appeared to James softly, tenderly. and said, James, I am the son of God, and I love you. I died for you. I want you to believe in me. I think James saw the greatness of God, and Jesus' response to him. That's how God calls you. God comes to us lovingly, and Jesus is calling you. Maybe your character is out of whack right now. Maybe you're running away from God. Jesus is calling you tenderly and softly. I love you. I died for you. I shed my blood for you. Trust me. Turn to me. That's how Jesus calls us. Like an older brother calling his young, younger loved brother. He did it for James and it changed everything. Our calling matters. And then the other thing that matters for us was James concerned with and concerned about his community. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. This is a very Jewish book. The 12 tribes was the nation of Israel, the promised people of God, the chosen people of God, the, God, the people that God had made a covenant with. And James says, you know what? I'm writing to you, those who are dispersed, not just these were Believers. James saw the New New Testament and the Old Testament totally different now as he's writing the book of James. Growing up, James was a good Jew. He looked for the Messiah. He followed the Torah. He followed the law. Then Jesus appeared to him, and he recognized that Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. Jesus was the answer to the Old Testament. Everything in the Old Testament is about Jesus, and so that changed everything for James. And now James sees the Old Testament completely different. Now he sees everything in the Old Testament pointing to Jesus, and James knows that God said that the nation of Israel would be restored, and so he's writing to these, the tribes of Israel who have been scattered because of persecution. They're living outside Palestine, these believers in Jesus, these messianic Jews who are following Jesus, and he's writing to them because he cares about them. He's concerned about them, and he wants them to stay true to the faith, keep trusting in Jesus Christ alone in the midst of unbelievable difficulty, in hardness, because community matters. James was concerned with the people that he knew well, the people who were like him, so he wrote this letter. But this is what it says. To the 12 tribes in the dispersion, the nation of Israel was always being persecuted. There's like three major dispersions so in the history of Israel. And the one that probably they're dealing with here happened about 60 or so years before Jesus came. And they had been dispersed, all these Jews outside of Palestine. And then they started following Jesus, and they became lights all over the world. It was the dispersion of the Jews that helped reach the Gentiles like you and me. God scatters his people through very difficult circumstances. And James is concerned for the people that are like him, but he is also very concerned for the people who are not like him. And it should be very true for us, because the community should matter, and we should not let anything stop us. Social class, ethnic class, education, from being a part of a community and reaching to that community, all of the community. The nation of Israel is scattered. We need to be very careful that we not only take care of ourselves as believers, but we reach out to our community and meet and and serve the community that God has called us to. I don't know if you know this, but in New York City, they, made that. they passed a rule recently that nobody, no churches can meet in schools for church. And there's not much property, not a lot of real estate left in New York City to build churches. So there's about 125 churches that meet in schools in New York City. And they just recently been said you can't meet there anymore. And, and this is the reason why the circuit court said this. The circuit court said the reason that churches cannot meet in schools is because when worship services are performed in a place, the nature of the site changes. That's not the Bible that said that. That's the circuit court of New York that said the reason that we're not going to let people meet in public buildings is because when that takes place, when worship takes place in that spot, the place changes. There's something different about that. That's an amazing thing for the court to say. Which means that God has always scattered his people out into the community. And our community matters. And we are the light of the world. So much so that if the courts say this, it should be true about us. that when we go out amongst other people, if a different class, different race of any other kind, whatever it is, the way we interact with people, the way we talk to people in our community, the way we worship God, it should change the nature of that thing. Is that the impact you have on your community? By the way you are scattered around Hinkley, Salmonack, Sandwich, Plano, Yorkville, are we living so much that the community matters, that we are so scattered, that the way we live our lives, the way that people see us, it, it changes the nature of the site? That's what should happen in Salmonack. That's what should happen in Sandwich, and that's what should happen in Plano, is that Christians are living all over the place, but the nature of the way they live, it changes the neighborhood. It changes the nature of the site. People see them and say, wow, that family's got character. Wow, there is something drastically different about them. There's a calling on their life that they have a purpose that I don't have. I mean, there is something about their home and about their, the way they live that just attracts me to them. That's... Living out our faith. And that's why James says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Because character matters, your calling matters, and the community matters. And it's James' desire for the 12 tribes of Israel. And God's desire for us is that we grow up in faith. In the grace that we have been given through Jesus Christ, that our faith is verified by our character. That we are who we say we are at church and at home. That our faith keeps our calling in view. That we live with a direction to please and honor God and seek first his kingdom. And that our faith is visible to the community for the glory of God. Jesus died for that. The brother of James and our brother Jesus shed his blood for that. That's why we're going to go through James and live and grow and change, because Jesus shed his blood for us. Our community and our lives, all of it matters for the glory of God. Let's pray. I ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're getting ready to come take communion. What matters to you? Is your character what it should be? Are you progressively growing spiritually? Are you concerned about your calling? Are you living it out? Are you concerned about your community? As we prepare for communion this morning, let's just quietly ask God, Lord, change me where I need to be changed. Confess what needs to be confessed as we come together at the Lord's table.
1: and fresh fullness of God in